Hey everyone, it's Shane Leaning. This is a bonus episode. It's a live space that happened this week on X Spaces. If you don't know, we host these spaces once every week, Global Ed Leaders Live, for the international community, anyone across the world, to come in and chat in a safe, open space about international education. This week, I was delighted to be joined and co-hosted with Paul Matthews, and we talked all about AI for the session, and we had some incredible input from the community. So enjoy the episode. It's unfiltered. It's unedited. It's not like the usual podcast format, but it's a good chance to hear what the community is saying. So let's jump right in. So Paul, we're going to kind of theme our conversation around AI in schools. And I just thought the <laughs> such a big topic, like, and, and, and where to start really, but maybe a good place to start is to think about, you know, where, what's your current thinking? Where are you currently with my teacher aid? Because am I getting it right that you're seeing a lot of your time is focused on how can artificial intelligence or generative AI support teacher planning workload, that kind of thing? Or does it go go further than that? Well, actually, it goes exactly that far, Shane. So that's really what I'm about. You're right. So I started my teacher aid about six months ago with my best friend, and we've been really focusing on, well, look, how can we solve a lot of the pain points that educators are feeling? I don't know how things are in other parts of the world. I'd hazard a guess and say they're the same. But in Australia, we know that around about 74% of teachers say that their workload is unmanageable. Now, that's pretty wild because, again, 74. 74, it's eye-watering, isn't it, man? And and they don't say it's hard to manage. They say it's unmanageable, and that's why we have such massive teacher churn. And, of course, stressed and burnt-out teachers, they're not in the best place to then go on and look after their students and create tailored resources. So I really see education – look, the education crisis, there are many things that will be a part of the solution, but I see AI – as a huge part of it because if you've got teachers who are able to do more work in less time and create better resources for their students, well, they're going to be better rested, they're going to be happier, they're going to be sort of psychologically and emotionally more fit for their job, and that just means that everyone wins. The teachers win, uh, their colleagues win, the school leadership and the students win. All the stakeholders win. So, look, I'm incredibly bullish about artificial intelligence, and and I won't go on about this too much, but I was actually – I've I've made it through to the second round of the TED talks, the TEDx talks down here in Tasmania. Um, second round, that's yeah. awesome, mate. That's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. Look, mate, I'm, I'm stoked for it. I'm really, really excited for it. So I'm putting together my one minute pitch. And here's the crazy thing that I found. So I did some research on Tasmania. So that's one of the states of Australia. Turns out, if you measure us against almost any other state, that our literacy, our numeracy, our ICT capabilities, they're lower than all the other states. Here's the crazy thing, though, Shane. We spend more money per student than any other state. Now, why do I, why do I say that? I say that only to say that we've got an educational crisis and money is actually not going to fix the problem. It's not the sort of thing you can chuck money at. So, again, that's why I think it's not just a matter of more funding and more of this. And that. I actually think this radical new technology, it could be exactly what we've been looking forward to for a long time. So that's where I'm at. I'm interested to hear what, what are your thoughts? What's your current thinking on this, uh, on, on the, the, the sort of brand, this brand new technology that we have invading our, our schools and our workplaces? <laughs> I, I am firmly on the excited side about this. Like, and 
and also on the although i don't think there's many who are ignoring it now like i think we've maybe gone past this point where everyone's like let's just you know just continue as normal but i think i'm definitely on the side that things are changing fast and this is probably going to be one of the most fundamental shifts i'm really interested in what you just said um paul about um about the spending being the highest but yet the you know the was it the outcomes that you said the lowest yeah yeah that's true and look, yeah and it, it just shows us that throwing more money i saw something recently everyone brags about these sort of northern european places like um finland and sweden and norway and all these places sure. where apparently utopian schools and whatnot i i've never been there and i have my questions but i know that they spend about between three and five times less than, say, New York for their way better learning outcomes. It seems often that something goes uh, wrong with the educational system. People try and fix it by throwing money at it, and that's really just not the answer. I mean, it's really between you and I, Shane, it's not the answer to many things in life, just throwing more money at it. But it's it's very interesting to see places that have had long-term underachievement in the educational sector well, often, paradoxically, they're the ones who are spending more than their counterparts on education. So it certainly makes you stop and ask a few questions, doesn't it? It does. And it it reminds me of the PISA. I haven't looked at the in detail at the latest PISA data that came out just now, but I know in the last round of PISA, so back in 2018, there was some interesting data which I pulled out of... Um, a book called uh, Making Room for Impact by Dylan William and mm. um, John Hattie and Aaron Hamilton. I love that And guy. they, yeah, so good. Actually, Aaron's going to be on the podcast next week wow. um, talking about talking about that. So that's going to be a, well, I know it is a really good conversation. So you want to tune into that. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll get there. Um, but um, the, interestingly in the data, you, you don't just see like this lack of correlation as such between those how much you spend on education and and um and the outcomes as such it's not like this perfectly straight line but also they found like the schools that have the longest school days you know the countries that have the longest school days um and i think australia has some of the longer ones um if i remember looking at the data um right it doesn't necessarily correlate with the higher outcomes so it's not it's not that like we can throw extra money or extra time to solve the problems that are in education. I think it, it, it it's actually on what we're doing and what we're you know and the, and in their mind they were thinking about de implementation. But I think it kind of links to this idea of where AI fits in because for me, if I was to like talk about one of my biggest worries in education that I've seen recently. I was in the UK last summer and um, I was at like a um, big festival of education, like massive, massive conference, 3000 teachers there, you know, lo- it, it, amazing conference, but loads of vendors. And they were all trying to solve this kind of teacher crisis this teacher retention crisis. And the way a lot of these like companies were trying to solve it was to help the teacher by standardizing the process you know follow this script follow this tool Mm. do this do that actually you know removing autonomy with the best intentions like they want to make it life easier for teachers yeah and this struck me as you know gosh autonomy reducing that's you know 
that's crazy. Like we're going to lose more teachers because they're going to feel less empowered. And this is what excites me about AI because AI, it sounds like, well, even though people are talking about AI will replace, AI will replace, actually AI might, AI might be that tool that finally allows teachers to regain autonomy in their classroom by being able to bespokely design things quickly at the point of need without having to follow a textbook, having to follow a, a strict curriculum. I don't know if you, if that's kind of where you've been thinking. Well, that's actually exactly what I've been thinking, Shane. And and the interesting thing is I write as part of my teacher aid, and people can find that at myteacheraide.com, and that's just that's also linked in my uh, bio. However, I write a weekly sort of educational newsletter as part of my te- my teacher aid. We've got about a 1,000 people on the mailing list, and one of the things I said is I, I think, and in fact, I dare even to say, Shane, that I hope uh, that artificial intelligence will spell the end of the resource bank, the generic resource bank. Um, yes. Yeah, <laughs> because I I remember talking with someone recently, and, and the way I explained it to them was this, because I was my teacher aide helps teachers create better resources in less time and, crucially, take care of the very diverse needs of their learners. And what this school leader said to me, Shane, was he said, well, why would I pay for an AI tool for my teachers when they already subscribe to a resource bank? I mean, they can get everything there. To which you say, first of all, no, they can't get everything there. They can actually get a very narrow subset of things there. But the resource bank really is a function of the old world where you had the choice, and this is how I explained it, resources were either ready or they were relevant. They were either ready in in that they were ready to go. You could plug them in and play, and you'd buy something off Teachers Pay Teachers or something, and it's ready. But the thing about a ready resource was that it wasn't a relevant resource. What do I mean by relevant? I mean that it makes sense for your learners. You've, you've, you've built it with the people in your classroom, with your professional knowledge. It's got your school's vision, mission, learner, attributes, values, all those things. It's relevant to your context. And, of course, the thing about a relevant resource, it takes a lot of time. It's not ready to go. And so, and so here's, here's the thing about the AI world, actually. We can have ready, like quickly accessible and easily to make, ready and relevant resources. Teachers can be in the driver's seat and they can create resources that are for their learners in their classroom. However, it's not going to cost them um, evenings, weekends, and holidays. You know, so I, I'm I'm incredible. I yeah. think that's a really, really exciting part. And it sounds like you and I have actually landed in pretty much the same spot when it comes to our thinking about that. Yeah, I reckon so. And I reckon that, you know, that I love that ready and relevant. And and for me, relevant, I often talk a lot about how because I do, you know, organizational coaching, that's kind of my thing at the minute. And, you know, I, I talk about how schools are just such complex organizations, complex social organizations. So any decision that's make, made in a school, whether that be a teacher decision, a leadership decision, a parental decision, involves so many different people, different stakeholders. That that complexity means that, yeah, these one-size-fits-all solutions rarely work. They have to be adapted. So if you've got a tool that can actually make things relevant to all those stakeholders, um, that's really cool. That's really empowering. I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, um, Paul, what Crystal, what what you're thinking about this, Crystal? Hey, welcome to the space. Hi. Um, I think I can. What you've said definitely resonates with me in terms of AI use in the classroom and the ease that it brings to teachers. Um, funnily enough, I've not long just come from work, and I pretty much use 
AI to help with my lesson planning, organizational planning every single day. Um, and it makes such a massive difference in terms of reducing the time load. I think, especially when it comes to teachers, international teachers, just teachers in general, we always think that we're always thinking about continuous professional development and probably in the back of a lot of people's minds from the conferences I've been to is how much time does it take to learn how to use these tools before it starts to reduce your workload? Um, so a lot of teachers are generally concerned that it's just another thing they need to learn on top of all the other things they need to do. And it seems like at the moment, because AI is this, it's being sensationalized as something that's going to take your job and it's going to replace you that people are either adverse to it for that reason or adverse because it's just going to take too much time to learn in their opinion, which I disagree with. Um, so I think once we having tools like teacher aid and others that are like it, where all the tools that you need are in one place and you can choose one platform and you can specialize on that one platform, I think we'll get a lot more buy-in from teachers because we're already diversifying our resources. We're already differentiating. Um, we're already translating vocabulary and all the rest of it. Um, I think we just need to to give teachers back that confidence in their own autonomy to do these things in their own classrooms and give them the confidence, if that makes sense, hopefully. <laughs> that makes such good sense to me. Thank you so much. Crystal, where are you, where are you based? Out of interest. Um, I'm based in Malaysia at the moment. Oh, so good. In, in KL or somewhere else? Yeah, um, in south of Malaysia, in Johor. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Uh, really, really excited to have you in this space. Uh, you're, Thank you. It, it, it's so, um, what you were saying so resonates with me. And especially, I kind of understand the anxiety, right, of teachers going, you, it, this is a new tech. So, you know, how long is it going to take me to learn how to use this tech? And all, almost also, it's it's a technology that's advancing so quick and new tools coming out. I guess some teachers could be a feeling like apprehensive that if I choose one, something's just going to replace it down the line. Do you think that's something? Yeah, I would definitely agree that apprehensive about perhaps choosing the wrong one, but also um, it's just that the, I, I can only liken it to, I can imagine what teachers felt like when there was a switch from whiteboards to interactive boards. And it just felt like to some, just another faff in the classroom um, for a lot of teachers that I've spoke to using or being introduced to AI and seeing the plethora of platforms there are, it becomes overwhelming. And they just think, oh, it's just another faff. Like I can't, I'll just carry on teaching the way I've been teaching because it's worked for so long. But mm. just like with other industries, teaching has to move with the times. It's something that, you know, even the, the structure of our educational system hasn't changed for probably hundreds of years. Um, and now the change is coming. A lot of teachers are, they're trying to fight the tide and they're just going to get taken over by the wave, unfortunately. Yeah, not just teachers, but I reckon, you know, leaders who, and also like kind of governments and companies who have invested so much time into the system as it is, right? Like it's it's no wonder there's defensiveness to change. What you what are you thinking, Paul? Yeah, look, I absolutely agree with Crystal and, it's funny, I work in a staff room and we have got the full spectrum of AI use and of technological um, comfort, all right? So you've got people in there who are absolute geniuses, you've got people who are middle of the road and people who are also really bad or scared. And it's important to knowledge, acknowledge that a lot of our, I mean, in in, uh, in Tasmania, the average age for a teacher is 50 years old. 
Now, probably the best bloke I know at using AI is over 50, so there's nothing to say that's going to be a disadvantage in and of itself. However, it probably means you're not a digital native. And what does that mean? It means if you're already stressed, if you're already frustrated, if you're already using your evenings, weekends, and holidays trying to make your teaching resources, you probably don't have a lot of bandwidth to try and learn this brand new emerging technology. So I have a lot of sympathy for those teachers. And that's why, I mean, there are some people in the AI um, consulting space for education that say, nah, all these greedy companies starting up, trying to make the, you know, make a cheap buck flogging AI to teachers. And I think they're just wrong. I think they're absolutely wrong because what, what is something like a My Teacher Aid, for example, and there are other products like My Teacher Aid, what, are they, what does it do? Well, it, it actually does the very thing that we've been trying to do with learning in our classrooms forever. It's, it makes it accessible to everyone because if schools just say, hey, here's GPT, learn how to use it, or we'll give you 45 minutes of PD, then you can learn to use it. Well, what does that mean? It means the early adopters will zoom off into the distance and do really well, but actually there's going to be some people who are tech hesitant or tech fearful, and they're going to actually get further and further behind. And then they're the people that we have to worry about when it comes to burnout and stress and overwhelm in the first place. So I think there's there actually is a space for teaching programs, AI programs, that do a lot of the heavy lifting of training the AI to be educationally specific, of integrating the curriculum, and just making sure every teacher, not just a select few, every teacher can get great results out of AI. It's about making it accessible, right, like for for everyone, rather than this. I guess what Crystal was saying, like so that that kind of people hesitant. These tools maybe make it a bit easier to take that leap because it's personalised for your practice. I think so. I think so. And look, is it important to get every teacher on AI? I would actually say yes. And I'd be interested to hear both you, Shane, and Crystal on this. But this is my point when I say. I think every teacher should get on AI because some people say, hey, it's still an emerging technology. Let's just wait and see how it pans out. Firstly, it's still going to be emerging for the next 20 years. So we, we can't just say it's emerging and then leave it at that because it's just going to emerge forever. It's going to be rapidly changing. So uh, I think un unless you're planning to move to some sort of Amish community, you need to roll up your sleeves and have a crack at it. Uh, but, but second of all, what does AI actually mean? It actually means that we can do... Uh, more tailored learning activities for our students. I, I still remember the first time I used artificial intelligence to, to differentiate a reading, to make a class reading available at multiple different, what we call in Australia, Lexile scores or multiple different levels of readability. And that meant, what did that mean? It meant the person who was reading at a university level in my grade nine history class, well, I had something for them. The person who was reading at a grade four level in my grade nine history class, I had something for them too. And for me, that was a game changer because it didn't take me my whole weekend to translate three times over a 500-word reading. I could actually do that in about two minutes. And then I saw students at every spectrum of, the sort of, of intelligence engaged in the work. And to me, if, if I'm an educator and I can do anything that is going to make the education richer for my students, it's a no-brainer, especially if it doesn't cost me so much time, you know? Yeah, I love that. I'd love to dig into that, actually. I, I wonder, Paul, oh, I was going to ask Crystal as well, but she's popped out. But I wonder if we could go through a few a few of you think maybe that those high-impact 
um, ways you might use like a, a tool, mm. um, a tool like uh, my teacher aid or, you know, AI, what, what specifics have you found so far have kind of generated the most value in, I guess, in your practice and in the people who've been using your tools? Sure. Look, I'm a big believer, Shane, in, I think AI is fantastic for teachers, especially if they don't try and use the tools to get their work done in far less time and then go and drink umbrella drinks on the beach. You know, uh, most of the teachers I talk to, that's not how they want to use AI. What do they want to do? <laughs> well, what they want to do is that they, they say, hey, you know what, I've got little Billy sitting up the back of my class. I know that I need to um, differentiate a reading for him, say. I know he reads at a level significantly below uh, the grade level but I just don't have the time, effort, energy or resources to make something for him. Well, I think most of the teachers who start using AI, well, they're going to actually do more work in the same amount of time. So they're going to give the differentiated readings. And to be honest, that's one of the simplest use cases. I mean, that's part of the My Teacher Aid suite of tools is a text differentiator. But you can also use generic AI to do that too. And you can just say, hey, I would like you to make this text simpler. And very rarely will um, chat gpt or a- any large language model get it exactly right first crack but that's just where you iterate you say oh make it a little less um complex again please or maybe um can you uh, keep make sure it's the same length as the original while through because sometimes if you say reduce the complexity it will reduce a one-page document into four sentences and you go hang on i said reduce the inc- complexity not the length and so you, you'll need to massage it and go back and forth you know <laughs> So, but, man, I tell you, look, there's a few others we could talk about, but um, that is a game changer for our students. If we can get them reading and understanding things at their level, well, I, I think that's going to change not just their intellectual growth, but their social and emotional and psychological growth because it's actually disengaged students who act out. So if we can re-engage students by providing yes. appropriate learning materials, man, they're well on their way to a really rich experience of school. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, exactly. That, I, like, that's, the, that's the funny thing. I think when people first think of artificial intelligence, like you think of, you know, robots and, co- you know, um, computers kind of like uh, leading learning. But actually, it's 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 not kind of giving away learning to them it's it's bringing them in to help them um help you differentiate how long how long is that process you just said take and hey freya good to good to have you in how are you doing look yeah it's it's a really simple process to be honest with you shane um and that's where again it's one of the simplest things you can do but it is one of the biggest needle movers for our students and i i simply copy and paste in the text that i want to differentiate for our students and i say um can you look artificial intelligence at this stage doesn't understand what we call lexile scores so it doesn't you can't say give me give it to me at a grade four reading level i mean you can try but it's not necessarily going to get you where you need to go what i Mm. like to say is can you make it simpler or can you make it really simple and then as with artificial intelligence in general and this is just a good idea to lay down as a base coat all the good work is really done in the iteration that's going back and forth people really fixate how can i get the perfect prompt for this well you can spend a lot of time creating the perfect prompt but really all the beauty it's like hemingway said all good writing is editing 
all the beauty of getting with uh, good results out of AI is actually the iteration. So going back and forth, yes, I'd like more of this or less of that or less of these words or remove the idioms for me, please, and replace them with things that an English as a second language um, student would understand, you know, all that sort of stuff. So you could you could differentiate one reading into four different reading levels in two minutes and have it printed out and ready to go, Shane. And, and I'll tell you what, as an educator, all I do is just see the list uh, and the faces of the students in my head who that is going to benefit. And I go, that's incredibly mm-hmm. exciting. That is exciting. I used to I used to use a tool poll called, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called Achieve 3000. Um, have you heard of that tool? No, I haven't. I'm, I'm keen to hear no. more. Yeah, it, it's like, so it's kind of like what you described, but it's, you know, the pre-gen gen AI day. So it it gives you like, it's for a teacher, you can get a text and then they've written out different versions of that text at say five different levels. So like I used to love using that as a, a language teacher because then you can scaffold for your class. But the, the problem was, is that of course, it's a limited number of texts in that and they're not necessarily authentic texts. Mm-hmm. You can't just quickly quickly you know pull something down but you know with with gen ai you can literally go what is our context what is the theme that we're running on and look international schools they might be ib schools that have conceptual themes or they might be international curriculum associations association schools with topic-based learning or something like that it's very common in international schools so you might be able to get that topic or get a piece of live news pull a news article off the bbc or wherever Mm. and then get the ai to generate those different levels for your students and especially when we're thinking about english as additional language in the class i mean it's instant scaffolding you don't have to replan lessons and you don't have to split them up it's that it's allowing every student in that class to access the same text you can even translate with it right and get pretty good translations to to do to do that I know one example that I saw um, as well was um, someone used AI and they did um, an activity, which is like, there's this really cool activity you can do when you're teaching English called a vanishing close, where you have like a, a bulk of text and then students have to read it. And then the next task is they see the same text, but there's gaps where maybe you've picked vocabulary that you're going to remove. And they have to fill those gaps and then they see it again and there's even less. So they end up kind of getting, you know, needing to reconstruct. But, you know, AI can do this in an instant with any text. I love that. It, I, it's a beautiful thing, Shane, a beautiful thing. And again, what we're doing with AI is taking things that we've been able to do for quite a long time, but we're putting the teacher in the driver's seat because um, we also in Australia, we have series of books and you can order, I'll have five at, at the grade nine reading level, five at the grade seven reading level, and five at a grade five. You know, and we're all reading the same book, but it's been differentiated. And that's good. That's really, really helpful. And it's far better than nothing. But what does it mean? It means actually if, if there are teachers out there who want to take care of every learner in their classroom and make sure everyone can read at the appropriate level for them, well, they're choosing from five texts. Every school in Australia is choosing from five texts. And come on, man, I know we can do better than that. I know we can do better than that. And we can now with AI. And that's the exact same thing. And this is why I'm excited that AI hopefully spells the end of the resource bank. Because one of the school leaders, again, I was talking to him and he goes, oh, no, we've got this resource bank we subscribe to, so we don't need 
AI tools for teachers. Now, I went on there and I looked, and I'm a year nine history teacher in Australia. That means we study World War One, right? And of course, you've got mm. a worksheet on the key factors of the key causes of World War One, and you might have um, a reading. And that's really all there was. On this whole, they boast, oh, we've got 50,000-plus materials. When it came to World War I, there were two or three resources on the main causes of World War I. And, and what do I like to do in my classroom? Well, I like to do a, a class debate, and there was nothing on that topic. I like to do an escape room based on some of the key causes, of, and there was nothing on that topic. So it's funneling every educator down this very narrow pathway of very narrow learning activities and like i said shane i think that's the beautiful thing about ai is that it means we can provide not just customized learning activities but actually really fun and exciting ones because we can get ai to do a lot of the heavy lifting while we still remain the brains of the operation you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i get that that's it the teachers this teacher's still in the driving seat it's not a threat um to teachers as such, but um, it's like a, a tool to help you help you personalize. I love it. I wonder if we could go through some a few more examples as well. I want to welcome Justin. Hey, Justin, welcome to the space as well. Feel free if you want to request a mic. And we're talking about AI use in schools, um, how it might how it might change education, but also you know how it can really support the teachers and maybe deal with some of these you know this bit of a crisis that we're having across the world with teacher recruitment and retention at the minute but yeah so that's a great example with reading paul i I wonder if there's there's other other examples and and here's a question i've just i've just thought like is it just language tasks that this is really good at like is or is can are people now using it for you know like maths and um other subjects yeah, well, look, I've seen people use it really well in science. I've seen it work with in maths, except I would be – the thing about maths is it's a language model, not necessarily a maths model. So it can do yeah. it pretty well. I, I sat next to a math teacher, and we generated some stuff on AI, and the equations that we were doing for trigonometry, 70% of them were right, and the remaining 30% were usually a pretty easy fix. So I said – is creating a test on AI actually faster for you? And he said, "Yeah, it actually is faster. It's still seventy percent faster. Mm. It's, it's, you know, so it, it's, it's not ninety nine percent faster, but it's still quite fast." And, and look, I'll, I'll tell you another use case, Shane, that I love, and, and it goes to the Amazing. same idea that I've been talking about, uh, and that idea is making better use of the activities we have in the class. So I watch a a lot of YouTube videos with my class. There's some amazing YouTube videos out there, especially if you're doing something like World War I or World War II, which I teach every year. So we've got a a suite. But the thing about YouTube videos is they're great, but they can easily just sort of go in one ear and out the other. And it might not actually be a transformational learning experience. But what can I do with AI? Well, one of the best things, and, and we have a tool, for this in my teacher aid, although you can also use generic uh, models to do it if you um, spend some time working on your prompts. But I love making quizzes on using AI. And and what might I do then? I just simply go to the YouTube video. I get the transcript of the video. So that's where the language comes in, right? I get the transcript, the written, and that comes out as text. And then I copy and paste it in and I say, 
I would like you to create me. I mean, it's re- it's really simple on my teacher because eh? you just you just click a few buttons. And say I want three multiple choice. I want two essay questions. I want one short answer question and four fill in the blank questions, and it spits it out. But you can do the same thing on ChatGPT. And what does that mean? I can then take that one video, that one seven minute video we've watched, and I can say, all right, guys, I want you to take notes. By the way, there'll be a short quiz on this at the end. And, um, you know, your result on that quiz might determine how many early minutes you get to recess if I'm feeling a little bit cheeky. But then I've actually got (laughs) something that not only asks students to sort of put information in their head with the video, but it asks asks students to pull information out of their head, to actually use the information that they've learned. And that's where we find actually a lot of the good learning gets done, right? So creating the the short, um, low-stakes quizzes I think, I mean, I'm, the, the educational data shows us that's really, really powerful. We just don't do it a lot because it takes so much time. However, that's one of the best parts of living in the AI world that we now live in is we can do those sorts of things really quickly and easily. This is so perfect It's because it's, yeah, everyone's thinking about cognitive science and, of course, retrieval practices like on a lot of teachers' minds at the minute. How do I get that in as much as possible, get students retrieving information. So the idea that now quizzes are made that much easier, you can quickly put your, I guess, you know, you, you, you think about your standards, you think about your topics, and then, and then it can generate new quizzes each time that are different every time as well to get students practicing. It's a, such a, a, a powerful time saver for something we know works really well. Um, just welcome yeah, into and, the room, and that's, uh, Mr. And that's, w as well. Go for it, Paul. Oh, yes. Hello, Mr. W. Good to see you. And uh, hello, Everett. Well, good to see you as well. So, look, what, what I would say, Shane, is I really do think that artificial intelligence will help us. It, it's what I don't want to happen. And this is what we have to be really careful of. There are a lot of people who are using artificial intelligence, this brand new technology. And what they're doing is they're using it to basically argue for an entire disruption, throw out everything you know about education, let's start again, let's start from scratch, ditch everything. And I say, no, I'm not a revolutionary, and I don't think we should be revolutionaries. I think we've actually got a pretty solid body of evidence about what works. And what we want to do is, is be wary of people who are using new technology to smuggle in these radical pedagogical ideas um, that are not evidence-backed or evidence-based. So I think there's there's um, a, a real opportunity for us to use AI, not not to do crazy new things, but to do the things that we know work with much greater regularity. Again, we're talking about assessments. We know assessments and feedback move the needle. You read John Hattie on this with the visible learning. We know assessment and feedback moves the needle. The reason I do it only a couple times a term is because of how intensive it is for us, especially a summative assessment, right? A summer, an assessment right at the end of the unit, gauging the learning. Well, um, I, I find that I can actually do a whole heck of a lot more of that when I'm utilizing AI because I can generate tasks, I can generate feedback, um, and while I still market myself uh, and, and assess the work myself, I can... I can make sure that the feedback I'm giving is um, so, sort of rounded out by AI. So the time in what might have taken me five or six hours might take me now 35 minutes. What does that mean? 
I can do 10 times as many assessments in the same time. And so, I, like I said, I really think this is going to drive us deeper into evidence-based practices. At least that's what I hope. But I'm keen to hear from our other friends, uh, Justin and, and Mr. W here as well. Yeah, for sure. Hey, hey, Justin, how are you doing? We'll go to Justin um, and then to Mr. W. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning. Um, thank you. Thank you, uh, Shane and Paul. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful discussion um, and, and it's absolutely necessary. Um, I, I come from uh, a slightly different background because uh, I'm, I'm an artist uh, and a technical director um, and I've been working on like Hollywood films and high-end commercials in New York for the past like uh, two decades. But but now I'm, I'm currently based in, in Morocco and um, exploring you know ai projects uh with uh artisans because i believe ai can come sort of a full circle where um traditionally speaking like a lot of people think of uh high-tech stuff as like a polarity to sort of ancient tech like i'm literally working with people who use like a chisel to create art you know and, and sort of woodworking and tiling here and i'm seeing like some wonderful uh possibilities um to to combine that but I, but i also come from like i said uh uh, New York space where I was uh, teaching at uh, um, uh, animation institutions um, where basically we were prepping folks to to head into the sort of commercial industry and and stuff and and you know the Pixars and and whatnot. Um, so, but you know, my perspective on it is is AI. I mean, I totally agree um, with with a lot of what what Paul is saying. I think AI. Um, is going to fundamentally shift the way ed education um, is 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 taught, and and regardless of whatever approach would we take, it is going to be revolutionary. Um, I agree with the idea that that um, we should do what's fact based and and sort of what works. The interesting thing about uh, where I'm at in terms of uh, the the vantage point is um, a lot of the lawsuits and stuff, and the tension happens right now. Um, uh, in this this sort of artist space, like you, you see stuff happening between like the concept artists and and Mid Journey, um, and and uh, that lawsuit uh, is 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 quite fascinating because a lot of people feel like um, AI is going to somehow displace them and 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 their jobs. Where I come from, more of an optimist uh, perspective, but I think it's also helpful to be somewhat skeptical of of these systems right and i I'm, and that's sort of my aristotelian background and thinking that you know um excellence or virtue lies in a means between two extremes um with with which both are, are vices right so we shouldn't we should be weary of of what these two tools are capable of but also you know safeguard into sort of like an optimistic uh future within um and so, like, I'm I'm fascinated by what's what's possible. Um, I also think to add to to um, uh, some slight nuances to what Paul is saying, there's that there's um, I found that when I teach my students, there's different modalities to learning, um, and I'm sure there's probably you know curriculums and stuff to support this. But some some students respond better to writing. Some students respond respond better to video examples versus audio cues um, and and or versus lectures um, and note-taking abilities and and AI and machine learning actually can enhance all of these different modalities and even in terms of participation and um, I think Paul was focusing on sort of uh, the the, uh, the the teacher um, aspect but there's also the the personal tutor aspect as well you know coming to 
to uh, schools where you might not necessarily have access to a private tutor and you might not have the resources, but now that's sort of available to you um, with like open source tools. So this idea that you could have like an AI tutor of some sort sort of reinforce what you're learning in the classroom um, and to look up, you know, not as a sort of replacement for your, you know, your educational responses, but sort of as a catalyst and a starting point to get you fascinated by a subject. And art is a wonderful way to do that. So like, even if, you know, no matter what grade you're, you're in, if you're doing a project on something specific, um, you know, um, some art history or any sort of history for that, for that matter, you could sort of, um, uh, participate in in different ways by creating your own sort of art that that supports you know um, whatever project that you hand in. Um, so I, I just think that we're we're in fascinating times, but it is important to recognize that that the the polarities um, uh, and sort of figure out a way, like sort of how we sort of parse through that and figure out a way in which these tools actually enhance the educational uh, experience. But it is definitely a fascinating conversation. Wow, Justin, uh, thank you so much. Um, there was so much value to unpick in what you just um, said there. Like, I, I love your perspective, especially thinking about, you know, that student perspective and thinking about how I love you, you started with old tech and new tech and where this kind of fits. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to learn more about where artists are feeling display, displacement. And, and you, you, even though you've got this optimistic, optimistic place I, I just want to pick up quickly and i want to paul i want to hear your thoughts i think you, you've probably got some great ideas based on that but you I, I want to pick out that quote you said justin you said excellence excellence between two extremes or something i need i need to write that down i was scribbling as fast as i could do you remember what you yeah said? yeah it's it's a, an aristotelian quote that um i guess I, I was i come from you know a, a philosophy and communications background with an art minor undergrad and, and an mfa in computer graphics so i you know i i love the um aristotle and plato and you know i, I studied the the ancient greeks and stuff so um, that that stuff is fascinating, and it kind of allows me to grapple with uh, some of the things that are happening uh, currently. And so, it's um, excellence or virtue is a means between two extremes, with to which respect our our vices. So it's really it encouraging this idea of of balance, um, right? And um, this this idea that. Uh, um, that 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 uh, that excellence is actually this apex um, is sort of like the the pinnacle between two extremes, which are which are in fact uh, vices. I love that. Thank you so much, Paul. What 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 are you thinking? Yeah, I really love what Justin is saying there, Shane. Really love it. And to, to pick up on what he was talking about at the end, and this is one of the best points is is using artificial intelligence as a tutor. I, uh, I recently wrote an e-book called um, uh, AI Cheater or Tutor. And, of course, if you look at the narrative that a lot of teachers are peddling around artificial intelligence, it's AI as a cheater. It's AI is going to help students cheat. The cheating is going to be undetectable. It's going to be the end of learning. They're running around lighting their hair on fire. It's no good. Actually, I think... AI can be used in a really helpful way, useful way. And the thing about it is uh, people have had tutors for a long, long, long time. The only thing is that you have to be of, of a serious amount of economic means. You have to be fairly well off. 
to be able to employ a tutor. And and this links in with what many people are saying about not just AI and education, but AI in general. It will be a democratizing force, right? So to, I was working on a talk the other day and I needed to do some research and I was actually able to use artificial intelligence like a research assistant. All right, I want 15 quotes um, with this idea using this word um, by authors from this time period. And it did it. And it hallucinated once or twice, but it was at about the same level that I imagine an intern would be if I was working for a publisher, right? And so what does that mean? It, it means that it's not just the people with serious amounts of cash behind them that get to utilize the leverage of having people work for you. And and the same as when it comes to tutors, right? It's not just rich families who can afford to provide their students with tutors. It's actually people. Now, of course, students aren't going to use AI well by accident right? And they're not going to stumble onto this. We do need to do really what we do in every other area of life, which is train our students, teach our students how to use AI as a tutor. But I tell you, if we can, I really do think it's going to be fantastic for them. We can get the, um, we, we can get the benefits of a tutor in the hands of every student, regardless of their economic position. I love it. It's a, uh... It's a potential huge equalizer, as you know, as long as everyone's got access to the text, uh, to the tech, which most have mm. now, right across the world. Um, welcome, welcome, Connor, to Can the I... conversation. If you want to come in, and Everett, you're there. Feel free to request the mic if you want to come in. Sorry, Paul, go for it. Oh, sure, sure. Look, I, I just wonder. I know we've got some um, people in education in the room. I just wanted to see if I could lay a bit of sort of an academic foundation underneath for us here. Um, so I don't know whether you guys know Benjamin Bloom. He comes from Bloom's Taxonomy. You may have used it in your classroom or you may have heard about it. Um, he also did research on the effectiveness of one-on-one tutoring, right, or, or, or one to a very small group, um, one teacher to two or three. So they had three groups in this trial. One was a conventional um, class. Another one was a conventional class using a certain type of techniques. And the third group was like one-on-one tutoring. And what he found between the conventional class and the tutoring was crazy. They taught the same content. What did he find, though? He found that um, students in the tutoring group were in the 98th percentile of intelligence compared to the students in the class. So that's two standard deviations higher now, that's why that, that idea is called the two sigma problem. He said it's actually a problem. The two sigma just means two standard deviations. If you can get one-on-one tutoring and you would have been 50th percentile in the class, dead average student, and you learn the same thing in a one-to-one context with a tutor, you're going to be 98th percentile. That's wild. Like I said, that's donkeys into racehorses sort of stuff. That's the power of one-on-one feedback, individualized tutoring. It's amazing. It's amazing, all right? And and really, that's what we stand to gain with every student. We can give every student the same level of uh, individualized, tailored feedback with AI. So that's some educational theory. If, you, if you're interested, look up the, the two sigma problem. And, and what I've been saying now, and I said this in my last conference, I don't think we have a two sigma problem anymore. I think we've got two sigma potential. We just need to show our students how to use it. I love that. You, you, you literally think we've just got potential now. Like that's such a, a flip on the 
on that on that current view. Yeah, yeah, and look, I'm excited for it, Shane. Really, really excited. But uh, and it goes back to what I've been saying in our whole conversation. It's not going to happen by accident, right? We're not going to stumble on really helpful ways for us to use these tools. Actually, we as educators and people speaking into the education space, we need to be on the front foot. Otherwise, really, we're at a fork in the roads. It could be excellent, like we've been talking about. could also be terrible. So we, we need to put our time, effort, and energy into making sure that it, it does go well for teachers and students. For sure. And I know you're putting a lot of work into that, Paul. Look, everyone, you know, we've been going around um, an hour now, so we'll close close this space soon. But um, and I want to pass it back to Paul to just um, quickly kind of tell us a little bit again about um, – about what you've developed, my eduade, and how that might help teachers. Um, but um, for those who have been listening or joined, this is a Global Ed Leaders live space. So Global Ed Leaders is actually a weekly podcast that I host. So you can find Global Ed Leaders. Go to my profile. You'll, you'll find a link in my bio there or just go um, search it on whatever podcast platform. And every week um, I have interviews with the best thinkers, the best leaders and um, innovators in education across the world, and also reflect on school leadership um, for international schools. So, so check that out. This live space is um, um, like uh, an accompaniment to, to that. The idea that community is, is, is everything in what we do and sharing is, you know, just so high value for our practice. So that's the idea that we've got these weekly live spaces with amazing people like Paul discussing AI, but like on, on, on other topics as well. Like next week, we're going to talk about flexi working, flexible working, because there's a school in the UK that has just started to implement a nine day fortnight. So reducing it from a five day week for teachers to a nine day fortnight. They're giving teachers one day off every two weeks um, as part of a flexible working responding to what's happening in other industries and other sectors and bringing that into teaching to see if there's a um, something happened there and i know I, i'd love to explore what's happening around the world with that so we're going to chat about that next week but before we go um if anyone uh, crystal ever if you wanted to say anything justin i wonder if you've got any reflections um before we finish up today yeah thank you um just thank you for having me up here and uh, I, I definitely want to check out your your podcast and and i really love what um you know paul shared about this this idea that um especially the part where it, it's not just going to happen like in terms of uh, kids picking up the tech and fully understanding how to use it they they need to be um there needs to be some some implementation and some structure on uh, some guidance on on how these tools are best used and best practices in order to enhance um, the teacher's experience and also to enhance the the learning experience. And I think that's extremely important. I'm I'm just basically in the sort of the art sector of of all of this and the impact um, in in the arts. But but um, I, I'm seeing how it essentially is going to. Um, be a really, really, um, I hope, uh, positive and and very optimistic sort of outlook for for teachers and and students. But it, but it has to be, um, let's say, it has to be guarded, uh, safeguarded, and and executed in in the right way. But thanks, thanks again for having me on, uh, and and I'd love to see, uh, you know, uh, what else, uh, what else you got coming in the in the near future with the podcasts and stuff. Thanks so much, Justin. I've loved your thoughts. You brought so much value to this conversation. And um, yeah, I'm going to check out check out what you're up to. I've just followed you on 
on X as well. So I look forward to keeping in touch and and uh, and sharing sharing our journey together. Um, I um, saw Saturn. Did you have any closing thoughts before we we pass back to Paul? Uh, Welcome to the room. Saturn. Yes, thank you for for hosting the spaces, Shane, Paul, and Justin. Uh, so. Um, I came in very late, so I got only the very last part of the conversation and uh, it's just about like one-on-one tutoring. And I was thinking maybe like we don't have enough time to answer the question, but like um, I'm very proponent of continuous education and thinking outside of like the current education structures. So like further away than just like, you know, high school, college, you know, masters and so on. But like something that you continuously use to, you know, uh, improve your knowledge. So like, I don't know if you had any thoughts around that, like with the one-on-one tutoring idea, how you could have a specialized tutor that just helps you improve your knowledge every day. Thanks so much, Paul. I'll pass to you. Uh, Thanks so much, Saturn. I'll pass to you, Paul. Yeah, look, I, I think one of the most helpful things to do when it comes to getting students to use AI as a tutor or really getting anyone else to uh, use AI as a tutor is getting the artificial intelligence in the right headspace, right? And unless you're using something that's actually trained and prepared to be a tutor, you really do need to tell AI what it's doing. You need to give it a role, okay? So I would start with something as simple as saying, act as a helpful, friendly tutor. Um, ask me what I, and then you give it a few steps. Ask me what I want to study. Uh, and when I um, when I tell you the answer of what I want to study, give me a few suggested next steps and ask me to pick one and we can go forward. Uh, something simple like that. So really, uh, you, your prompt is going to determine how well the artificial intelligence is working for you. If you can get your prompt sorted out and if you can continue to interact well with the AI, I think you really do stand a good uh, chance. And I think, Shane, it, there's potentially – a whole space we could do there on using artificial intelligence as a tutor and how to get getting students to use it well. And that's what I, uh, I said earlier. I've done a uh, written an ebook recently called Artificial Intelligence Cheater or Tutor. But I, uh, yeah, I reckon that's a subject for another day. I reckon we could have another good discussion around that. AI tutoring, whole space. Let's do it. Let's do it, Paul. I think there's so much value in that um how's that how's how's that help help saturn thank you very much yeah um i haven't thought of building it myself but like what you mentioned is just the way it would work and um yeah i look forward to to continue talking in the future to see if we can collaborate in some way but yeah thanks so good well paul what let's 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 round up this space i'd love to maybe if you could just uh Tell us a little bit about where they can, where people can go to find out about your tool, because you've developed a tool that's bespoke for teachers um, and covers um, a few um, different areas, right? In terms of their planning, in terms of working with students, differentiating that kind of thing. Exactly right, Shane. Yeah, thanks for that. I I'm building my teacher aid as we speak. We had a, a really successful pilot. We had 500 educators. And long story short, I'll give you two facts and a story. Uh, first fact is 100% of teachers said that they would be less stressed uh, and overwhelmed if they were using my teacher aid, which was great. We love to see that. 88% of educators said they're more likely to differentiate for their students 
when using my teacher aid. So we absolutely love seeing stats like that. But the story that really, it nearly brought a tear to my eye, if I'm honest. Someone said to me, um, I was able to do in two days what I had set for my entire summer holidays. So I know that there's a teacher out there and what they've done is they've, get, they've got the whole summer back. You know, And I know that they're going to be more well-rested. They're going to be psychologically on an even keel as they come back into the classroom. That's right, uh, that's right in our sort of wheelhouse, our core vision, mission, values. We want to get educators um, feeling healthy and fit and ready to go into the classroom through uh, using AI tools. So, look, uh, that's my teacher aid. You can find more, out more about it at myteacheraid.com. However, one of the best ways for you to find out more is to go on the mailing list, okay? I send out a weekly educational AI update, okay? It's called the uh, AI for Teachers Digest. You can see in this space, I've actually linked one of my tweets. It's a tweet I made two minutes ago, and I've just chucked in the uh, a, a link to our newsletter. So if you sign up to that, not only will you find out more about my teacher aid in due time, but you'll basically get the long-form content that sort of then becomes short-form content on places like Twitter, places like LinkedIn. So, yep, love to connect over Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, stay tuned, keep your eyes on that newsletter. And, of course, if you're interested in, in um, using my teacher aid as a teacher or at your school but you don't use the Australian curriculum, well, then I'd love to talk with you because I, I reckon we could work something out for you too. Huge value there. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining. And I know we'll do another space another time, probably on that tutoring i think that would be huge value to the community but i've learned so much in this space and, and hopefully it's been useful to some other people thank you so much as well justin and and saturn for um um for, for your contributions that was yeah really brilliant reflections and thanks for joining chegs and everett i see you there too um everett i know you're having a walk at the minute so uh, i hope you've enjoyed just tuning in and listening it's so great to have you here as I mentioned, this is the Global Ed Leader space, so it's once a week around this time on a Thursday. Currently testing with times. It's really difficult with thinking about international schools because everyone's on different time zones, but this is the time we've got at the minute, so feel free to tune in any week. Next week, we're going to talk about flexible working, and is it possible for teachers to have flexible working hours? Some people say, no, no, no way, impossible. Some people say, it has to happen because that's what everyone else is doing. And there's, as I said before, there's an academy in the UK now who have just announced a nine-day for working fortnight for all their teachers. So they're already moving in that direction. So I'm really excited to explore that. Um, yeah, hope to see you. Hope to see you back here next week for an interesting discussion. But thanks, everyone. It's been it's been a blast. Thanks for tuning into this live session today. I thought it was a brilliant discussion online. You never know how these conversations are going to go because it's live. But I was really thankful for the great contributions of everyone in there, including Paul and the brilliant people who came in on the chat. I would love it for you to get involved in these conversations in the future. So if you can, go to X or Twitter, search for me, at Leaning Shane. You'll find my top tweet pinned at the top is my next live space. Add it to your calendar, set yourself a reminder, we do it every Thursday, and come along, come along and have a chat. We're all welcome in that space. Everyone's welcome to voice their ideas, their opinions on education. Next week, actually, we're gonna be talking about flexible working in international schools and whether that's possible for staff. So if you're interested in this, come along on Thursday, check out my ex and join in there. 